Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Cambridge Islamic College podcast. It has been narrated in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whenever some people gather in one of Allah's houses to recite the Book of Allah and study it among themselves, then calmness descends upon them. The angels surround them, mercy covers them, and Allah mentions them to those who are with Him. And some of the most recited verses of the Holy Quran are from the last chapter. These verses are some of the first to be taught to children and new Muslims as well as recited regularly in congregation. So what better way for us to launch Cambridge Islamic College's podcast channel than with Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadwi's Tafsir of Juzamma. It is often said that Tafsir requires knowledge and understanding of all of the Islamic sciences and not just knowledge of the Arabic language. Sheikh Akram expertly deciphers the intricacies of these surahs and in his unique and inimitable manner makes them relatable. So, without further ado, let's begin this journey. So, you know, this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the people to, to open the mind. Think properly, think around you. You know, one of the Indian poets used to say that, you know, had there been no messenger and no prophet, the morning that I see every, every day, it is enough to, uh, to make me to believe in Allah. Because such a nice, such amazing thing. You know, and that's what he put in, in, in his poetry. ہم ایسے اہل نظر کو ثبوت حق کے لیے اگر رسول نہ ہوتے تو صبح کافی تھی وی پیپل ایون ایف یو ہیڈ نو میسنجر فار اس اٹ واز اینف یو نو ٹو سی دا مارننگ اینڈ ٹو نو دا لوڈ آف دا مارننگ یو سی دا مارننگ اینڈ یو نو ہم نگاہ نہیں جو سرخ و زرد پہچانے نگاہ وہ ہے کہ محتاج مہر و ماہ نہیں فرنگ سے بہت آگے ہے منزل مومن قدم اٹھا یہ مقام انتہائے راہ نہیں یو نو آئی از ناٹ دا ون وش کین ریکگنائز دا یلو کلر اینڈ دا ریڈ کلر اینڈ دا بلو کلر دس ناٹ دا آئی دا آئی وچ ونلی کین ریکگنائز دا کلرس دس ناٹ دا آئی نگاہ وہ ہے کہ محتاج مہر و ماہ نہیں آئی از دا ون وچ ڈز ناٹ نیڈ دا لائٹ آف دا سن اینڈ لائٹ آف دا مون اٹ کین سی دا تھنگس ود دا لائٹ لائک ابراہیم علیہ السلام وین دا سن سیٹ And darkness came, his eye became sharper. When the sun set, what he said? La uhibbu la filin. He learned more, he knew more. Sun is setting, darkness is coming. But in that desert, when the sun is setting, Ibrahim can see sharper than, than before. That the eye is not the one who depends on the sun and the moon. Eye is the one who can see reality without the sun and moon. Farang se bahut aage hai. Javan manzile momin. Qadam utha ye maqam intihai rah nahi. You know, the destination of the believer is much, much ahead of European people. It's much, much ahead of the Western people. The destination of the believer, it is much, much ahead of the, you know, you know Farang means French, but, you know, Akbal means European people. So he said the destination of the believer is much, much ahead of the French, you know, European people. Qadam utha ye maqam intihai rah nahi. Keep moving, keep walking. This is not your destination. Believers is not this word. But we people in every Muslim country, They want to make their country on the model of European countries. That's what they want really. Ask the rulers, they would like to make their country like this country. Keep moving. This is not the model. This is not your destination. You have to keep moving. Your, your destination is something different. But it needs the eye. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now wants to make the eye sharper. So he said, look at properly. Afala yanguruna ilal ibile kaifa khuliqat. Don't you see to the camels? How they have been created. Look actually how they have been made. The camel which takes you, you know, and you travel in the desert. 
which can carry the water for such a long time and how amazing the creation of the camel is even a child can you know can, you know, can take a camel you know how obedient the camel is and how useful for, for you is and how it has been made look actually how it has been made who made it you know this actually to remark to connect with your lord like one of your mother if she said to her child who does not listen to her don't you see how i how the you know food has made made for you who prepared dinner for you don't you look who made breakfast for you don't don't you look that who put the bed for you don't you look who washes you who cleans you you know then the child you know even you know, bad children they will remember this thing and they will it will make them near to their lord to their mother similarly allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to you know raise this question in your mind think really the camel which is so useful for you in your travel journey in the desert all the time who made you and why he made you made this thing did he benefit from that did he make the camel to ride himself he made the camel for you to afala yanzuruna ila al-ibli kayfa khuliq don't they look to the camel how they have been created wa ila as-samaa'i kayfa rufi'at and don't they look to the sky how it has been raised wa ila al-jibali kayfa nusibat and they don't look to the you know to the mountains how they have been put set firmly nusibat firm mountains wa ila al-ardi kayfa sutihat and they don't look to the earth how it has been spread out so people can sleep and walk properly Look, look at this thing. You know, you know, just understand really how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to explain the thing properly. Actually, in these, two, in these verses, the people have been writing so much that, you know, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, starts with camels and then, you know, sky, then mountains and then the earth. And many, many people actually have, you know, no doubt people have good mind thinking how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. One of the great, actually, philosophers in Islam is an Indian man. His name is Mullah Mahmoud Jaunpur. He is one of the great philosophers. You know, he wrote m- m- many books. He is very nicely. He said, you know, it is so nicely because when Arab Badwin, he comes out from his house, the first thing his eye falls is his camel. First thing out of the door is the camel. The Quran says, Don't they look to the camel, how they have been created. Then after that, when he raises his eye further, sky, and then Quran says, Don't they look to the sky, the head they have been raised. Then after that, when the eye comes down from the sky, where it falls on the mountains, and on the mountains, how they have been made firmly. And when he goes further down, then he looks at the earth. So you can see, basically, the order is, you know, ascending and descending both. So you ascend, you look camel, and then, then sky, and from there you descend to the mountains, and from mountains to the earth. So both orders there, ascending and descending both. It's really amazing thing how the Quran is put, you know, in such a nice, uh, you know, order. The how they don't they look to the camels, how they have been created, and to the earth, how you know, uh, and to the sky, how they have been raised, and to the mountains, how they have been set, you know, firmly. While the earth, and to the earth, how it has been spread out properly. Now you know, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala you know explains this thing properly, He wants really to understand. And think, you know, what understand? The Rububiyya of Allah Taala, that He is the Rabb. He is the Creator. He is the one who takes care of you. And He made everything, uh, you know, for, for you. And, you know, you know it's, it's such much, so much striking, uh, you know, of the mind. Uh, and then after that, Quran says, فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ Then after that, it comes, that, you know, look all these things, the earth, the mountains, in you know, all those things. And understand properly. And then the Quran said to the Prophet وسلم, what actually had been mentioned earlier, Fadakir in Nafa Remind them if the reminding can be helpful, useful. 
Now the Quran is saying to Prophet Sallallahu you know, this book did not leave anything. Every example has been mentioned, every explanation has been done properly, and you have been conveying message properly. If people don't listen, it is not your duty to guide them. It is not your duty to force them to become believer. Your duty basically was to convey the message, that's all. You are just reminded. The Quran says, إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرُ Oh Allah, the Messenger وسلم, remind them, you are just a reminder. The Prophet only came to make people to remember, make them to, you know, to remind them. So they look at this universe and they understand properly. And no doubt really, if people, you know, if people think properly, they don't need teacher. You know, this, you know, that I think, you know, there are two types of the Quran. One Quran is this Quran in the words that Allah has revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu But there is another Quran. The whole universe is the Quran. The science of the universe, they are another Quran. If you look properly, the sun and the moon and the things around you, they are also Quran. If you use their mind, they can, they can teach you. They are your teachers. The people need to, if people have got you know, no eye to look in this universe, they can't understand. And Quran actually, when Quran says ayat, verses, science, Quran means both of them. Sometimes ayat is mentioned in the Quran and meaning is the verses of the Quran. And sometimes Quran says ayat and meaning is the verses of the universe. Universal, the science of the universe. Quran keeps asking people to understand the Quran, to think about the Quran. And the Quran also keeps asking people to look around you, to think in the universe, to understand things properly. Do they make sense for you? So both are important. People must make effort to learn the Quran and people must make effort to understand the universe properly, think properly, and everything will lead them to their Lord. So you know, that's what we need. We don't need actually to force anybody. Once the people understand properly, they will know their Lord. So Quran says, No doubt, even actually, you know, Allah how merciful he is. When it does not strike, when you, when you look, when you don't look properly, and nothing strikes your mind, and you don't learn about your Lord, what he does? Then he makes difficulty. For example, there are children, you know, their mother looks after them properly, gives them food, nice bed, and all those things. But still they don't appreciate the love of the mother. Still they don't appreciate how much their mother does. Then what happens? Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, makes the child ill. Now he cannot move properly, he cannot go any, any properly. And in that difficulty, when in that pain, when nobody to help, he can see that his mother, she remains awake all night. Then some children, at that moment, they realize that how much their mother does for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the illness and the pain in that baby for, to help him to understand, appreciate what, how much mother does. So this is that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for the believers. He made it for his slaves, human being. He, he asked them to think, understand, read the Quran, read the universe. But still if people don't understand, then he makes them to suffering. So suffering is not to, to punish you. Those sufferings only come to make you to think, realize your weakness and in favor of your Lord. He sends illness, you know how weak you are. You have been arrogant and you think you are the conqueror of the world. Now you know how, how weak you are. And then after that he cures you. So you can see really how much he loves you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps doing this thing. But if people really open their eyes, they can learn. These, these incidents and these you know, sufferings of the, of the world, you know, like one of the you know, uh, poet in Urdu said, Ahle binish kuhay tufan, Ahle binish kuhay tufan hawadith maktab, latmaye mauj, People who have got eye, when the waves of the problem and waves of the incidents and when the tragedy come in their life, they are like schools. 
you know, all the tragedies and all the problems and all the painful events in your life, all the incidents in your life, they are like a school. They only come to teach you. And when the suffering of the life comes, they are more useful to you than hitting of your teacher. When your teacher disciplines you and he makes you to think, sometimes you don't understand and then hit you a little bit. And then you become alert and you think. Simari Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we send difficulty, problem, some events, some illness, or some, some loss in property. Why? To strike your mind, to think properly. You see how much he loves you. He gives you think. If he does not think properly, then he takes away from you. Then you can think. He sends favor upon you to thank him. If you don't thank him, then he makes losses for you. You can return. Basically, every good thing in this life is to connect you with your Lord and every harmful thing in this life is to connect you with your Lord. So that's why Ibrahim said, my Lord is the one who gives me food and who gives me drink. And my Lord is the one who, when I am ill, he cures me. Illness come to make you to realize your Lord and see his, his love to you. Like when a child becomes ill, then he realizes the love of his mother. So similarly, when suffering comes in the life, very often people say, why if Allah is, does not need anything, why he makes us suffer? He can do things without suffering. He does not send suffering to you because he enjoys the suffering. He does not enjoy your suffering. He only sends suffering to you because he wants to do and favor upon you. Without the suffering, you could not understand. But now the suffering came, you understand. And you can see really in Muslim countries, very often, when a trouble comes, a big problem comes, people start praying. Many, many people, more people. In India, when a riot happens between Hindus and Muslims, and when some Muslims are killed and some houses are burnt, you can see now there are more people in the mosques. So those, you know, those things come, they are very painful. But when they come, they make you to connect with your Lord. They alert you. So that actually how Allah SWT is doing. All the time he keeps reminding the people. So the Prophet وسلم, only came to convey to you the message. He cannot force you. Allah is not going to force you to become a believer. But Allah is so merciful, he wants you to understand. You know, to think properly. He will send something to make you think. But he never going to force you. Quran says very clearly that, you know, فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَالْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَالْيَكْفُرْ Those who want to believe, they can believe. Those who want to do kufr, they can do kufr. The Quran said that, you know, the law ikraha fi deen. There's no compulsion. We are not going to force anybody in the matter of the religion. The Quran said, ma anta alim bi jabbar. You are not jabbar upon them. You are not like, you know, somebody forcing them, imposing upon them, saying, no. You are just a reminder, nothing else. And similarly, the Quran said, in alayka illa al-balagh. You know, it is just upon you is to convey the message. So understand here that the Prophet sallallahu duty is what? To convey the message, to remind the people properly, but not to force people to Islam. His duty is not to force people, his duty is not to guide the people. So whenever the Prophet do more, Quran stops him, that you don't do more than that. Just keep your duty properly. Remind the people, convey the message properly, but don't become so keen that they become guided. If Allah wanted, he could guide them anyway. Allah only wants you to explain, and Allah wants the people to think and understand. If they accept your message by understanding thinking, then they are guided. But otherwise, Allah is not going to impose upon them. But here is the difference between messenger and between professional people. When you become, make a professional preachers and du'at, it is not the same thing. I'll tell you, for example, if somebody is a teacher who has a mission to teach people to convey the to teach people and save people from ignorance, the way he will behave will be different. But if somebody does not have a job and he has his learner and he is looking for a job and he gets a job as a teacher and he gets salary, he is a professional. This professional person, his teaching will be different. 
And actually, somebody was asking me the question that I have been start, you know, online question was there. One of the lady asking that she goes to learn Arabic language in, a, in one of the uh, school uh, with a teacher. And she said that when she goes to learn, she spent one hour, two hours, but after the class, she finds she has learned nothing. The whole time, just discussion and argument about something else, but nothing about Arabic language. And she says she also goes to learn Tajweed, but when she goes there in the class for half an hour, all the teachers, they just socialize. They keep having tea and this and that, they are not teaching. Then after half an hour, they will do something. Why? Because these people, they are taken teaching as their profession, where they get salary and the money. Even they don't do it properly, that's how they do. Prophets and messengers, they never do like that. The prophets and messengers, they make the, the teaching as a mission. So there is difference between people who do things as a mission and people who do things as a profession. They are different. You can see really, I remember, when I was a student, there was a Christian missionary person came to Lucknow. I was preaching to one of my teachers, you know, he knew English very well. So he invited him and that, you know, this Christian, you know, person, he started discussing with him and, you know, and preaching the Christianity. To my teacher, you know, he asked about Trinity and asked him the argument. So, you know, he couldn't make any good answer because you can know actually there's no answer for Trinity anyway to prove that from Bible, from anywhere. So he said, give me time. He gave me time after, you know, a few days he came again. And my teacher asked him, you know, what is your argument? Can you convince him? He couldn't. Then my teacher explained to him that how the bad whole idea is. And he understood. So my teacher said to him that, you know, then why are you preaching something which you don't understand and you are not convinced? So what he said, this is my job. I get money for that. I am paid to do this, this preaching. This preaching is not preaching. To understand that many Muslims, when they preach, they preach actually as a job. This is not preacher. Make a mission. You should have worry and pain for the people. That if people don't go to paradise and they go to far off you know, how can I accept that? Like your children. So this is very important. The messengers, they are preachers. That I consider the, the problem. For example, you can find in the, in the newspapers and you know, in, in, in the media very often, they ask the opinions of the readers, what you want. So they will, they will actually, you know, uh, you know, uh, print or publish those things which can be, which, which actually the readers want. So very often you can find this, always they ask you know, what, what the readers want. And they always want to keep the readers happy with them. Messengers will never do that. Messengers never, never ask the opinions of the readers and their audience what you want and then I can make you happy. Because they don't want money. Messengers always will ask Allah what to teach and they will teach that. So always think right preacher is the one who receives revelation, meaning is not, nobody can receive revelation, but learns from the Quran and they teach people. Right messengers are not the one who thinks the mood of the people and teach them what they need. If they need something which they can make them happy, then teach them. This is not right thing. Many, many people, they keep doing this thing and this never works. The way always is understand the people are ill. They need to be cured. Don't ask them which medicine they need. Just find out from the doctors properly and then give the medicine that they need. Even if they don't like it, it's going to help them. Preachers and you know, the prophets and messengers they never ask the opinion of the people. Never can find any messenger who asks people that I have been appointed a messenger, tell me what you want. Have you found anything like that? You can find the newspapers, all the professional newspapers, all, all the professional journalists, they always keep their, their readers and their audience in the mind. But the prophets and messengers, they never keep their audience and, 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 and the readers in the mind. Why? Because they know that these people are ill. Now they need only that message which is coming from the heaven pure. But at the same time, the messenger of prophet, no doubt, they understand the weakness of the people, they will help them, but they never can change the message for the sake of the people. 
So when I say fadakkir, innama anta mudakkir, remind them, you are reminder. So Quran has mentioned in that context many verses from what I mentioned, in alayka illal balag. Oh messenger, your duty only is to convey the message. The Prophet sallallahu duty is to convey the message. Why I'm saying this directly? You can see very often in India, I have seen, I don't know anywhere else. In India, when a preacher will give a speech, at the end of the speech, he will say, وَمَا عَلَيْنَا إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ الْمُبِينَ I have no duty except to convey the message you know, clearly, like the Prophet You have not done nothing. You just gave a speech in not conveying the message clearly. The Prophet used to go to every single house, to every assembly of the people, and used to tell the same thing in different style, with pain and the love. And people used to listen, that is Balagul Mubin. You came to a stage and gave a speech and you say, Oh, Alayna Balagul Mubin. That's not Balagul Mubin. And it is not conveying the message. Conveying a message is with the love, with the pain of the people, and changing the style, you know, and meeting people at different times, like Nu al Islam, 950 years all the time. You know, keep that in mind. Our duty is basically not only to, you know, make some leaflets and, you know, and dawa material and distribute in the houses, and then we say we have done dawa work. Did the what Prophet was a postman? Did he receive the Quran and put the Quran in everybody's you know, letter box? That's what he did. Was he postman? Did he do like that? That he made the copy of the Quran and put in everybody's you know, house? And he said, we have done the job. He never did. He was not a postman. He was not the someone who got distributed the you know, leaflets and dawa work and dawa material to everybody. And this we have done. And some people think really if you say those things on the TV, you have done that thing. It is not the TV. It is not the public, you know, printed material. It is not to go to everybody's house this way. The way is, like messenger's prophet, to have pain for the people. To know properly that if you don't teach them, they are going to the fire of hell. Pain for the people, love for the people, and think really, make planning that this person, my neighbor, he is not a believer. And now my duty is to save from the fire of hell. You went once, he did not listen. Now think really what is the best way. Maybe if I give him a gift, he can listen. Give him the gift. Maybe if I call him for dinner, then he can listen. So many different. Maybe when he has difficulty, I can go and help him, then he can listen. 10 planning, 12 planning, 15 plannings, until he become more than Allah asks you. Then you have done the preaching properly, conveying the message. But just putting you know, some leaflets and flowers in the house of the people, and you think you have done enough of giving a speech like I am teaching here, or you know, on the TV, that is not the way of the messengers. And the, when the Quran says you are only a reminder, meaning is they remind the people with pain and with full love of the people. You are not a guardian upon them. You are not to impose upon them. You know, this is the Arabic language. In I don't, I'm not going to go in detail of Arabic language. But anyway, simple meaning is yes, those people who turn away from you, don't listen to you. And unbelief in your message. Then Allah will punish them the biggest punishment. To what came in the earlier surah, Kubra, the big fire, biggest fire, here it has been mentioned, Al Akbar, you know, the biggest punishment. And then Quran said, So nice, really. Quran said, whatever people do, really, they have no, no choice. You know, in this world, people have so many choices. If you do a crime in a country, still you can have hope to run away. You can hide for a while, nobody can. Allah has made the way, world in a way that people cannot protest, they cannot make march, they cannot change, his, they cannot affect his, his plan. He has made such a clear thing, everybody will come to him. This is something nobody can escape. 
He said, Inna ilayna yabahum. And they look Whether, you know, you could be in this world traveling on an aeroplane. In this world, you could be having big army. It could have, you know, friends and pilots and all those things. But when Allah decides to you to come to him, then you are not going on aeroplane. You are not going on in a car, but that you are king. Your death must be you know, on the plane, and you must go on a plane to Allah SWT. You will come to Allah SWT like anybody. You know, uh, you know, I was reading one of, you know, in a popular Urdu poetry, it's not really very deep, but it says very nicely, you know, it says, Sajan re jhoot mat bolo, khuda ke paas jana hai. Sajan re jhoot mat bolo, khuda ke paas jana hai. Na hati hai, na ghoda hai, wahaan paidal jana hai. Oh my, my beloved, oh my friend, don't lie. You have to go to Allah. You have to go to your creator. There's no elephant, there's no horse. You have to go there walking. Sajan re jhoot mat bolo, khuda ke paas jana hai. Na hati hai, na ghoda hai, wahaan paidal jana hai. So this Allah has made such nice, you cannot protest really. You know, in this world, how he has forced people. It is such a, such, a, such a nice arrangement. Nobody can escape that. The whole system of the creation. When he wants to make you to be born, you can't change it. Your date of birth, you never can change. He made it. And then after that, your parent, you cannot change. He made it. Your lang mother language, you cannot change it. He, he planned for you. You know, where you are born, your land, you cannot change it. And then all your illness, when you going to fall ill, you cannot change it. How much difficulty you have in your life, you cannot change it. How much easiness you have in your life, you cannot change it. What you're going to study and learn, you cannot change it. And when you're going to die, you cannot change it. And when he makes you die, it could be all your parents, your family, and all your army, they're sitting next to you. And he will take the soul so easily, nobody can do it. You can't protest. Your mother cannot stop you from death. Never can happen. You know, when somebody comes, a police comes to arrest you, it could be sometimes people can interfere and they cannot succeed. But when Allah the army comes to take your soul, people will be sitting next to you. They even cannot see that army. That army will come and tell your soul. There's no way people can run away from Allah. It's impossible. To us, is, you know, they're written. The people cannot you know, escape us. Then Quran says, And then after that, they, to us, you know, it, it obligated it upon us to make their you know, account, to make their judgment. Allah SWT made obligatory upon him that he must judge the people. He must call people to account. Nobody can escape. These two things are so firm. People must turn to Allah, must come to him. You know, for example, people can run away from, this, from the court in this world. But you cannot run away from Allah. It's impossible. You come to him. And then your hisab must be happening. Nobody can. Just think really how much helpless we are, how weak we are, so arrogant for nothing. You know, people never can escape from him. People never can run away from him. Whatever you become, you will die with help, as a helpless person. Nobody can. People actually will not know what's happening to you. When somebody is dying, even if people are sitting around, people really don't know what happens to the person. The pain that he's getting, nobody can know. And really nobody knows. Unless you die, you never know the pain of the death. People think somebody so and so died in peace. Nobody dies in the peace. Death never comes in the peace. You die next to your mother, next to your father, you know, next to people who, are, who loves, love you on the bed, nice bed, nice drink. But when death comes, it is so painful, nobody can imagine. There's no, no easy death. There's no peaceful death. 
People say somebody died very peacefully. My mother passed away very peacefully. There, nothing like that. There, nothing, nothing, nothing existed. Even the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he had got so much pain. And he expressed the pain. And he said, actually, my pain is half of the pain of other people. It's still so much pain. People cannot escape the pain of the death. The only people for whom the pain has been made easier is those people who were killed in the path of Allah Taala just for the sake of the religion, not for the sake of land or for the sake of the money, for anything other than to please Allah Taala. No doubt when the people, people like that, they are killed, then the pain of the death is like biting of an ant. So, you know, it's so easy. They don't feel anything. But every death which happens on the bed, it is very, very painful. Nobody can escape. Allah SWT made this system and nobody can change it. So, inna alayna iyabahum, to us is their returning and then we must make their reckoning properly. So, I stop it here, inshallah, and if you have a question, please ask. Okay. Um, the question is, I have been trying to get the Ziyan and read Quran and Ziyan Salim and try and act, but do not get any real ikhlas or ibad through this. How can I become truly purified without going to a Sufi Shaykh? Through a Sufi Shaykh, what's that? How can I become truly You know, the thing basically is, the day you understand that you have got Tazkiyah, that will be proof that you don't have Tazkiyah. So what you have said properly, it means really you are in the right direction. If you keep reading the Quran, following the Quran, Sunnah of the with a nice heart, and you think really you have done nothing, it means you are getting Tazkiyah. Because proof of Tazkiyah is that it makes you humble. Because you think really you have not done. You know, I'm not going to advise you to get a Sufi Shaykh and all, because I don't know really, but no doubt certainly people need teachers, people need shuyukh. So I don't know how much qualification you've got to you know, learn the Quran properly, Sunnah of the Prophet properly, but at least keep reading the biographies of the companions of the Prophet and you know, early scholars, pious people like Imam Bukhari, Imam Hanifa, Imam Malik, Sufyan al-Thawri, Sayyid Musayyab, it will help you to get that piety and that tazkiyah. And then also in your time you can find, if some, you can find someone who really has good knowledge and piety and fear of Allah Taala. if you can sit with him uh, sometime, so inshallah it can help. But if you don't find anybody, but then at least keep reading the biographies of the pious people. It is really very, very helpful. And in this matter, what I found for myself most helpful is the book of Imam Zahabi Rahmanullah Siyaru Alamin Nubala. Really amazing work. You know, it brings all these good aspects of the life of the early people you know, uh, in, in, in proper context. And also writings of Imam Jawzi Rahmanullah Ta'ala and Ibn Taymiyyah Rahmanullah Ta'ala. These are the people you know, whose tazkiyah and piety is based on the pure Quran and Sunnah. You know, second taqwa is which when Quran says, Inna lil muttaqina mafaza. The muttaqi people will have success. Meaning is, to when people have initial taqwa, now they receive the Quran, they receive the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they act upon the Quran, they follow the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so they develop their taqwa further and further, until actually the taqwa becomes very firm. So these are the people, successful people. So that actually, no doubt, you know, we cannot have you know, the highest taqwa, but at least to people should keep moving in that direction. So when they move in that direction, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them they have success. The Quran also promised about them, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجَ وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ Those who have taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala solves their problem and gives them provision from where they cannot understand. To all the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are connected with the proper taqwa. So meaning is Allah becomes your, your mind all the time. When you do things, you do to please Him. 
when you avoid a sin you do this because you want to please your lord obey him properly with the fear of of your heart and with the love of your lord lord it's not easy because i you know i myself need to see somebody who can teach me but we have to understand actually the only thing is to you can get this taqwa is by understanding the quran acting upon the quran and following the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam You know, the Quran actually has said about the believers uh, that, you know, that uh, in the reminding it is beneficial to the believers. The Quran said, you know, keep reminding because fa'inna dhikra tan fa'ul mu'minin. Certainly, the reminder benefits believers. So, no doubt for the believers, always reminding very good. But Quran now is discussing about those unbelievers, you know, the Prophet sallallahu is spending so much time for them to believe. And sometimes he thinks really maybe he's... he's He, the way he conveys the message is not proper. So Allah wants to say, no, no, it, you are, you know, your message is proper, the way you do is proper. But these people, they can't benefit. So don't waste your time behind them. If you think they can learn, then, you know, then, then, you know, then do reminding. So this verse belongs to those unbelievers, you know, against whom the proof, you can say, has become actually very much firm. But when the Quran said truly, the reminder, reminding is, you know, useful, It is in the context of the belief. Say that in the verse. If I na dikara, tan faul mu'minin. Reminding is useful for the believers, beneficial for the believers. You know, the simple thing to understand actually, actually I, you know, I have taught the whole course really, so people understand, I discuss in the life of all the prophets and messengers, that in the how they have been doing this thing. But if you want to understand from the history of Islam and from the fatwa of the fuqa, you can see in every generation. First thing actually is the true khilafa only existed in Islam for 30 years. Now this is 1435. So for more than 1400 years, Muslims never have got the state acquired to the command of Allah and his messenger. They never have any Islamic state for 1400 years. And then actually in, in, in those times when Muslims don't have proper Islamic state, how they have been behaving? They rebel against the rulers. Many of those Muslim rulers who are called you know, Khulafa, Abbasid Caliphs, Umayyad Caliphs, Uthmani Caliphs, many Mughal rulers, very often they have been worse than many secular rulers in their palaces. These, the ulama of that time, they realized that these people in their palaces, they do whatever they're doing, as long as they can allow the believers to follow Islam properly in the society everywhere, we can accept them because it is going to help the believers. So you can see really, they tolerated those, those rulers because it is going to help them. And in India, for many hundred years, the only thing that ulama have been concerned at least after the ibadat is Muslim personal law. Meaning it, ulama have been concerned that marriage, divorce, family life, inheritance, that should be governed by Islamic law. 
But in the punishment of Hudud and many of those things, they abandoned them for a long time. It was not there. So you can see really that ulama always have been keeping minded that what is possible for us, that we have to make effort. They never, never really, you know, there have been some people who rebel against the, against the rulers, but you know, hardly you can find any, any, any of these rebellion became successful in Islam, except what people say that Wahhabi, you know, movement, which became very successful because they got support of the, you know, ruling dynasty, so they became successful. Otherwise, many of those Muslim groups which came to rebel against the existing order, they never have been successful. So people always have been compromising. You know, main thing always have been your personal life. In the society, the ulama only made effort to implement that part of Islam which was easy and where there will be no conflict with the rulers. So then they implement. Otherwise, many other things they left. And you can see everywhere, not only in India. In India and then in Middle East, in Iraq and Syria. You know, when Mongols came, Mongols became ruler of, you know, all Muslim world. But they were not Islamic. In their, under their rule, you know, Muslim ulama, they basically made effort to, you know, to have their own court to, dis- to decide those things which are more connected to Muslim society, but not with hudud and punishment. So if you look the history of Islam properly, you know, even Ottoman Empire, there, there are Osmani Khulafa and this and that, but basically the law in many, many aspects of life it was secular. Many, many laws which were actually applied by Muslim rulers, you know, throughout the history, they have been very similar to the secular laws. And Muslim rulers, they are very much you know, similar to the secular rulers. And that's why the way has been as long as the rulers allow you to follow your religion, you know, in the ibadat, and in the matter of the, you know, family life, and also some aspect of society, you know, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and move, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you more power and, you know, more space, inshallah. But this is not something new, really. It is all, the whole history of Islam is like that. We hope you enjoyed today's lecture and pray that it will be beneficial to you. Remember to tune in for the next one. For more insightful content in full HD quality on tafsir and other Islamic sciences such as hadith, fiqh, Arabic prose, grammar and morphology as well as Islamic history, female scholarship and much, much more. Subscribe to our unique streaming platform on www.deepdeen.tv. That's D-E-E-P-D-E-E-N.tv. Don't forget to visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org and show your support. Please click on the donate button and give whatever you can. Our institution is dependent on the generosity of donors like yourselves.